you know, I talk to people all the time that are sellers and they, they give me that feedback of, you know, I have a really t- tough time, um, you know, articulating the value that I bring. You know, I do a lot of activity, but really being able to show uh, some of the outcome or um, I have a hard time bragging about what I'm doing. The other thing to remember is that as a leader, you know, what got you to that role is not going to get you to the next level. Your brand and your prior role is not your brand as a leader. So it's less about being the hero. It's about being the hero maker. It's very similar to parenting. And this may resonate with some of the folks out there that are listening that have kids. Welcome to the new Tech Lead Podcast. We help you to be more confident leaders by avoiding the traps of inexperience and gain perspectives from leaders in tech, unlike theoretical videos. I appreciate you here today. Let us bring more leadership skills to the business. Let's roll the interview. Hello, everybody. Today, my guest is Carson V. Hetty, three times book bestseller in the category sales, top voice on LinkedIn and direct at Microsoft in the healthcare industry. With one and a half years, people manager at Microsoft after several individual contributor roles at Microsoft. Welcome, Carson. Marvin, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. For those people who don't know you, can you introduce yourself and tell a little bit of the story about you and we go from there? That sounds great. Uh, so thanks again. A um, little about me. So as you mentioned, yeah, I've been with Microsoft for about eight years. I've been a student of sales for about 20. Uh, so I started formally in sales at uh, AT&T, so telecommunications business. Uh, moved up through the ranks there. I was in um, several different roles there over the course of eight plus years. And then I've had a couple of other roles in between. Uh, the majority of my experience has been in leadership. But as you mentioned, you know, my time at Microsoft, I was in a few different uh, individual contributor roles uh, before uh, taking on this most recent challenge. Um, I had the very serendipitous good fortune about a decade ago to write a book. Um, part of me, I you know, should have probably questioned my sanity to try to write a book about sales in my 20s. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back, my Perspectives have changed, but the book put me on a really important path. Um, it got me noticed for uh, a role that I ended up accepting about a decade ago. And uh, that role led me to some relationships that led me to Microsoft ultimately. So um, that's a little bit about my career. Um, I live in the uh, Midwest United States with my family. My wife and I have three girls. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm, a, I'm an ardent student of selling, always looking to learn. And I've had the uh, very good fortune as well of just getting the opportunity to present and collaborate and share globally uh, with sellers. Um, so again, thanks for having me and uh, hopefully your, your audience can glean some insights today. Thank you so much, Carson. Um, to start it off with, where was the tipping point to put your experience to practice and go full blown on sales and even writing a book? Where did it all start? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, I realized several years into selling two things. One, I had always it, kind of two things that I was passionate about reached a cross section for me. I'd always enjoyed writing. Um, and I realized that I had this passion for selling. Um, and for me, the passion for selling was all about the relationship. It was all about relationships that I could create with customers um, and how well I could work with influence and motivate teams to be successful. And so th those things kind of reached a cross section. I was writing a newsletter column 
uh, every uh, month for you know the company that I worked for at the time. And a lot of my columns were around selling. And so I, I just started to think like, hey, I'd love to write a book. I'd always wanted to write a book. Um, I'd love to write a book about sales. But I also realized there's a lot of great books about sales that are out there. So I, I tried to create a different, completely uh, unique approach. I created a fictional protagonist that has some of these experiences, has these learnings, and then he writes a book about it. And so it was kind of a book inside of a book. But that's how it happened. Um, each of my books has been very much like that. Each of them have their own unique spin and twist. They're all books inside of books. Uh, but they're very focused on sales, relationships, process, and uh, you know how to find success, how to build personal brand, um, how to thrive in this kind of new digital selling era. Um, it's, it's really evolved with this character, but also with the times that we're in. Thank you. So looking at sales and building relationships with customers, people management is in that sense, very, very similar. I see also relationships have to be created as a people manager. So where do you see the similarities in the roles of a salesperson and a people manager? That's a very astute observation because I think often we talk about the internal selling that we have to do. Um, you know, anytime that I'm working with my team on meaningful impact that they're driving with customers, with outcomes that they're driving with customers, um, it's important to understand and be at the pulse of what matters to your customer, but you have to become their greatest advocate. You have to be able to evangelize their position uh, internally. Uh, to go to different stakeholders in your organization to uh, unlock resources, figure out where you can invest, where you might get additional people from your company to lean in and to care about what you're trying to do. Um, you know, often we try to get our leadership in the boat with us uh, when we're meeting with customers or we want to invest or we want to do more. And uh, in order to do that, we've got to be able to articulate these uh, these positions. These are selling fundamentals. Um, so. I think that's a very good observation that you've made, Marvin, because often uh, we are selling internally. We are influencing. Uh, we are creating relationships. We're investing in those relationships. We're getting everybody that matters into the boat uh, to get deals done, whether that's with the customer organization or that's within our own. Um, so we always have to be thinking about those things. Um, the best way to approach it is to think about who am I going to need in the boat with me, both from a customer perspective, but also inside my organization or maybe third party partners, vendors, et cetera, who needs to be in the boat to drive and, and uh, you know, result in meaningful change and impact and uh, go out and get those relationships and invest in those relationships over time. Thank you so much. I, I really like that answer. Now, nonetheless, I would like to take two steps back. Because for a lot of people, specifically in, in, in the tech industry, sales and, and, and serving and relationships is some kind of paradigm. Like, ah, oh, what is it? It's kind of Pandora's box uh, in the tech industry. I sense you have big camps of on the one side sellers and on the other side, real techies. And I feel there are some hybrids in between, but I feel the two big camps there are, are the sellers and the hardcore techies. So why do you feel people take sides to be either salesy or very, very tech heavy? Yeah, that's really interesting, Marvin. I think, and I, I agree that often we are, even though we try to break molds, often we are beholden to some of these traditional ways of doing things. And 
uh, you know, in in tech, you do often see that. You know, you see people that are very strong at the relationship building and the art of negotiation and the um, you know the construction of deals and, and getting people in the boat and the orchestration of milestones and projects and and the internal team. And then you have some of these other folks that are you know very strong with understanding. Um, you know, technical initiatives and customer roadmap and aligning those initiatives. And let's be frank, both of those are of, of exceptional importance uh, when we're trying to drive meaningful change with customer organizations. Now, I think you hit on something really intriguing there is that, that hybrid approach. I was actually having a conversation recently uh, with someone around just that very thing is that technical selling component and the value of having that. Um, you know, where I, I often challenge my sellers and my team to look at even doing a, a SWOT analysis of themselves. So looking at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and identifying some of those key elements. You know, my pedigree has always been in selling. So some of the technical components were not necessarily ones that I inherently came in with. So whenever I first started out in my role as an individual contributor with Microsoft, as an example, I spent a lot of time trying to surround myself with these uh, technical pros and where could I maybe shadow them? Where could I maybe go into meetings with them and soak in uh, some of their excellence, some of their brilliance? Um, and then I would raise my hand and say, you know, hey, how about, how about I lead on the next one? And, um, you know, it can show that I was having some progress and learning because you're right. Um, the right answer is somewhere at the cross section. Um, you know, we certainly in order to meet customers where they are, uh, we've got to be proficient in all of these areas, you know, we read statistics now that say, you know, our customers are 57% of the way down the buying journey before we even talk to them, before they even engage with a seller. So it adds a lot of responsibility on us to be able to show up as sellers at the right time with the right intelligence and the right knowledge, because that is ultimately what's going to, to uh, influence them to make the decision to work with you is, are you showing up with value? And in order to show up with the best value, I think we've got to understand uh, both, you know, the selling and the technical components. Wow, that's that's really really a, a massive approach because right now I'm I'm trying to figure out this relationship thing. Even as an audience listening to the podcast, I might be a very tech heavy individual, full blown engineer. I know my stuff. Um, I'm very comfortable with with tech pros as you uh, defined them or, or gave these individuals technical hashtags um, around me. And this makes me really comfortable. And I become a first time people manager and I know stuff because I know tech. Now the challenge comes in when you talk about sales and I might feel uncomfortable or don't understand why sales is now important in my role. Can you bring a little bit more across why these skills are important? I know this is, might be important as a sales role, to, to understand the technology I, I want to sell and this kind of, okay, where is the customer and what kind, what kind of technology, where are they at? But as an engineer, to become a people manager, I know the tech stuff. Why is the sales component important to me as a people manager now? Yeah, one of the first things we have to do is we've got to debunk some of the misnomers around selling. You know, I talk to a lot of technical sellers and and uh, just technical folks in general. And that's often one of the biggest things that they raise is that, you know, I'm not in sales. I don't have that that background. And, you know, really all selling is, 
is influencing change and, you know, being able to get to and stay at the pulse of what matters to customers, understand what perspectives and points of view we need to be showing up with, and then aligning to uh, some of their problems and needs and uh, areas of growth. And uh, you know, technical specialists can absolutely do that. Um, you know, often they know better than most uh, what some of those technical challenges might be, uh, whether it's you know challenges around security or governance or you know data posture, and then how could we, um, whomever the organization is that they're selling for, um, how can we create those relationships and then build confidence that making a move to what we're proposing is the right move. Um, so from a people manager perspective, uh, one of the key elements that I always focus on with my team is, look, do we have the relationships that we're going to need in order to influence change? Do we have the right point of view and perspective that we're showing up with? You know, you don't show up and just start talking about what your company does. That's meaningless to the customer organization. What matters to them is their point of view. And we can find out a lot of this information. Um, I subscribe to a lot of trade magazines. Um, you know, you can go out and research companies. You can see their company reports. You can look them up on uh, LinkedIn, Sales Navigator, all kinds of things um, so that you can understand what matters to them most and understand what points of view that you're going to be able to show up with. You can also look at the competitive landscape. Um, you know, where are customers today? Who are they with from a competitive perspective? What do they like about that competitive relationship? And then maybe what are some of the uh, opportunities and threats um, and weaknesses of these competitors where we might be strong? Um, these are the things that I try to look at with my team, and that is obviously going to be very inclusive of both people that consider themselves traditional sellers and those who do not, that are uh, more of the technical realm. But there's room in the boat for everyone. In fact, we're, we're stronger uh, when we have all of that acumen. Wow. Wow. That's really, really powerful. Now, imagine an uh, engineer become a people manager or program manager for a product and they have an internal team. So don't they don't talk to customers, but they have internal stakeholders. And we don't have these reports for internal stakeholders. We might have LinkedIn, but how would your approach be? Imagine the first 30 days, like who are even the stakeholders I have to reach out or analyze? It's my direct manager. It's my team members. Who else? Yeah, I love that question because um, we talk all of, all the time about uh, you know from a career perspective, you know, kind of forming your board and you know who are the key relationships that you're going to need. And so um, you know, even if your entire audience is internal, there are relationships that are going to matter. You've got to stay at the pulse of what matters to your team. You've got to understand you know how they're doing their job. A leader does not exist to tell their team how to do a job or to present a, a blueprint. Uh, you know, they exist to empower their team to do their best work, uh, to understand what matters to them, understand their why, understand their strengths, understand their aspirations, and then ultimately empower those outcomes. Right. So, um, you know, my role as a leader is to help my team see around corners based on the experience that I have. Um, you know, I've done the role that a lot of the people on my team have done. And so to be able to help them based on scenarios that they're in, you know, we exist to earn their trust. Um, I try to be as transparent as I can be with processes that are going to benefit my team. 
um, help them understand uh, what they can be doing that can best impact their day-to-day -day role, but also uh, their career. And then uh, the other element would be, you know, how can I, uh, you know, how can I really dive in so that uh, I'm available and that I'm communicative? Communication is one of the key elements. Now you're talking also about some of those other key relationships. Anyone who is going to be impacted by the project that you're working on needs to be in the boat to some degree. And I'll give you an example. You know, today I have a team that supports a, uh, you know, a wide, broad market of customers that are in our um, medical device uh, arena. And there's a lot of internal stakeholders that support these customers or that are impacted by these customers. There's a lot of outside partner and vendor relationships that are impacted by uh, these customers and our uh, work with these customers. And it's my job to make sure that we have um, you know, an understanding of who all is and needs to be in the boat, uh, what level of relationship we need to have with them, and then how we can best empower all of those people to win in each of those situations. Even if they don't dot line to my team or me, um, there is a definite need to make sure that we understand these uh, mutually beneficial relationships and that we are helping uh, to um, you know, empower everybody to do their best work. So I, I would look very diligently at your project, the desired outcomes, um, you know, some of the uh, key deliverables and who needs to be involved in all of those. We need to go out and create and nurture those relationships, uh, communicate, communicate frequently, um, ask for feedback and, uh, you know, set up a process that is going to be conducive to uh, doing all that. Wow. I love that. What I will take with me of your answer is the process, the people, the relationship and, and the project as a whole. Now, bringing that up to a bigger picture, I would like to focus on the project. And I heard in the sales sphere, there's this topic of a sales cycle, how long it takes. And, and you can you can adjust my, my perspective as you have more experience on that, how long it takes to convince a client or customer to actually choose the, the best product in, in best scenarios uh, our, our product or your product as, as an individual uh, seller. And now moving the sales cycle to the internal view of promoting someone. Um, 20 years ago or, or a little bit centuries back, uh, people were at the companies for a longer time. So promotions probably wasn't a discussion topic every year. Um, nowadays, a lot of people change every year or every one to five years companies' roles. So the discussions and holding, holding up all the stakeholders together gets much quicker. So how do you actually, so in, in this sense, the sales cycle changes from maybe a couple of years, having getting a promotion every three to five years, having this kind of discussion every year up to three years. Uh, so it gets so much more dynamic. How does this sales cycle actually change the selling process? It's a good question. I think, um, you know, my answer has probably changed over the years with perspective and discipline and some of the different ways that I've looked at my own career lens. Um, you know, when I was younger and I was moving up very quickly, 
um, it, it was, you know, I was always looking at the next role, the next level, you know, what do I need to do to get there? But, you know, I, I'm very much a believer now that you can lead from any seat. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily about the title or the title change. I'm not thinking today about what my next role is. In fact, uh, we live in a world now where my next role may not even exist yet. Um, so I think there's a lot of power in that where, you know, if we find a successful way of doing things, we can forge our own path. Um, I've been very fortunate at Microsoft as an example. You know, I was um, kind of called out to be the, uh, you know, the digital selling lead for our entire healthcare organization in the United States a couple years ago. And so that's, but that's not a formal role that was carved out, but it's a, uh, but it is a formal role that was called out. Um, so it's not on my business cards or my title, uh, but it's a function that I serve internally here at Microsoft. And so I'm a big believer that you go out and you find your strengths, uh, you find your unique superpowers, uh, and ultimately, you're tasked with finding how can you replicate uh, your strengths and your superpowers to lead to wins for other people? Um, how can you uh, share these best practices? How can you help other people be successful? And how can you build and fuel your brand? Because your brand is ultimately what's going to be your ticket, your calling card uh, to whatever you wind up doing. Um, and it's less about your next job, what that is or what that's going to look like. It's more about the impact that you're having broadly, uh, whether it is, you know, with your customers, with your team, uh, with the broader organization that you work as a part of. Um, those are the real questions that you need to ask yourself. And then it's same, very much in the same line, Marvin, of what we've been talking about all along is its relationships and its perception. You know, do you have the relationships that you're going to need to get you where you want to be? Do you have those right aspirational mentors that you can be learning from? Uh, do you have those correct um, colleagues that you're getting best practices from so that you can continue to develop command and mastery of your role and what you do? That's why these cycles are all over the place. Um, I would agree. I mean, historically, I've seen, you know, when I started out of my career, there was a lot of you know, company loyalty, where you'd see somebody stay at a company for a long period of time and maybe move or change titles every couple of years. And now you're seeing a lot of people move to different organizations. Um, and it's not wrong. Um, it's, you know, we've, it's a, we, we live in a world where there's a lot of uh, competition uh, for talent. And so you're seeing organizations get very serious about going out and finding and securing talent, nurturing talent, and investing in culture. And uh, I think that's a positive thing, uh, but it's uh, it adds the the onus of responsibility for leaders and for customer, you know, for our organizations in order to really establish that culture. Wow! Thank you so much. To to wrap it up, so what what I was hearing is, as as an individual, whatever role you have, focus on your super strength, focus on your uniqueness, focus on what you're really good at and what you love to do. And then look at the environment you're in and own that environment and thinking out of outside of the box. And whenever you you see a different environment, you can you can adjust and adopt accordingly towards your superpowers, which are your your baseline, and then thinking out of side the box and being instead of being static, being more liquid and more agile. So I if, if there's one thing I was hearing, I would switch as an individual looking at where can I be a people manager in a, any kind of careers portal 
in, a in my company or outside of my company, rather focus on, on me as an individual, focus on my brand, own the environment I'm, I'm in or own the environment I aspire to be in and get the relationships lined up. I think you captured it well. Um, you know, one thing that's always served me is that I'm always looking to solve a problem and show up with value. And that's whether I'm a leader or an individual contributor. And as a leader, you're helping your team figure out what are those key problems that their unique strengths can solve uh, those problems. You know, how can they show up with unique value, not only for their customers, but also for their teams um, and everybody that they touch. The other thing to remember is that as a leader, you know, what got you to that role is not going to get you to the next level. Your brand and your prior role is not your brand as a leader. And so, you know, it isn't your job to jump in and do the work for your team. It's your job to help make sure that your team has all of the resources, all of the relationships, all of the knowledge at their disposal to be as successful as possible in that role. And that you're helping them develop command and mastery of that role but also get where they want to be from a career perspective. That's your role now. So it's less about being the hero. It's about being the hero maker. Thinking about you as the hero maker. And, and I'm really happy you say that because I have sometimes trouble actually articulating what is the job of a people manager. So in the role as a people manager, and you articulated the, the job, the functional job, you have to do very, very well and, and very comfortable to comprehend for me. What has been the biggest challenge for you in the area of people manager or the functional role uh, in the last year? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's an important question. Um, and I think it, it's very much in line with what we were just talking about, because for me, you know, it's very similar to parenting. And this may resonate with some of the folks out there that are listening that have kids. Um, you can create the foundation for success. You can provide all the tools. You can be a good model of the behaviors. Um, you know, you can coach um, and you can genuinely care. You know, th those are some of the core fundamentals of leadership. Um, but you can't encroach on their way of doing their job. Uh, you can't force them to do it a certain way. Um, you can only influence and you work to influence. And uh, so I think what, what I struggle with the most is, I'm um, always wondering if I'm doing enough, if I'm doing it the right way, uh, keeping from jumping in and doing the work myself, um, you know, letting them not be afraid to fail, you know, giving them that opportunity to fail. Um, also, very sometimes, you know, sometimes being vulnerable as a leader and that uh, acknowledging that I don't necessarily always have all of the answers, but that I'm willing to go out and seek and find those answers with my team. Those are some of the biggest challenges uh, that I've experienced as a as a people manager in in recent years, uh, but also just in leadership in general. And and frankly, you know, right now, Marvin, we're going through a lot of things that we've never seen before. Um, you know, obviously, we just went through all of the new experiences that we had with the pandemic, um, and just how important it has been to lean on digital and remote work, uh, managing a remote workforce. I mean, this is a new experience for many people. It's not for a lot of people, but it is for many, many people. Uh, the other element would be, um, you know, just some of the things that we just outlined around the changing ecosystem of people and how they stay with companies and, um, you know, their career path. It's very different um, than it was in uh, years past. So um, how we show up with, uh, with our teams and then also our team's expectations 
uh, employees' expectations of you know remote work and, and time off and um, you know how they work. Uh, these things are all in flux all the time. So it teaches us to be agile and versatile and stay at the pulse of what matters with our team, uh, to be communicative, to be transparent, but also to be vulnerable. Um, a lot of times we have to um, you know, learn and, and focus on uh, just sitting still with you know, how things are with our team, uh, making sure that we are uh, giving them all the tools and helping them see around corners like we talked about. Uh, but a lot of it is listening and making sure that we are uh, we're available, uh, but that doesn't mean we have to be the doer. Wow. In, in there, there, there was a lot of advice and wiseness I'm, I'm taking away. What I still couldn't find or articulate, what was your biggest challenge in all that <laughs> situation in the last 12 months? Or maybe asking differently, there were things you did which brought you to the director role you have right now, the people manager role you are in right now. What will bring you to the next level? So what is the current challenge you, you tackle to get to the next level yourself? Yeah, it's a good question. I mentioned it, but I didn't dive in fully. And a lot of it is like knowing when to jump in and when not to, when to jump in the boat and do, as opposed to, you know, letting your team uh, go out and, um, you know, play the game, right? You know, as a coach, you put the players on the field, right? You you work with them to call the plays, you call the plays and, and you've, you've got to let them go play the game, right? So I think my biggest challenge as a leader sometimes is not jumping in. I'm not a player coach, right? I'm a coach. So I've got to make sure that I let them play. And then I work with them on on strategy. Uh, but you you nailed it because that's the key. Like your brand as a leader is going to be, how do you get everyone to achieve their goals? Um, you know, how do you get everyone recognized for their strengths and their achievements as opposed to yourself? And so you really turn that lens proactively and that spotlight on your team. You've got to understand your team. You've got to understand what makes them tick, what matters to them, but also really understand their strengths and how do you play up those strengths? And if they want to get promoted, how do you get them promoted? Because one of the best ways to get attract talent and get people to want to work for you and for your organization is for them to see that working for you results in betterment and promotion. Uh, I want to get everybody on my team promoted. Because then people are going to see that and say, wow, I want to work as a part of this team because I'll get where I want to go. I will grow and I will get where I want to go in my career. So um, that's been the biggest challenge for me is just, you know, figuring out when to dive in, when not to, finding that healthy balance. Um, you know, there's sometimes in some ways that I can benefit my team from jumping in and doing and driving. But there's a lot of times where that's not necessarily the most effective way. So I've got to know my place, understand my role very um, intimately so that I do it right. Wow. Thank you so much, Carson. As last question for today, um, you spoke a lot about success and achievement in the last couple of two minutes. Um, there's still quite a few people out there. Um, I experience who have trouble articulating their input, their value. What did I contribute uh, to my team? And now as a people manager, you are the hero maker. So can you give the audience a tip on how to tap into articulating what my value as an individual or people manager is? I, I tend to see some people have 
know know what they did in ter terms of actions or how many hours they spent with individuals, but then they have trouble to articulate the impact they were having. Is there a bridge or any any kind of icebreaker you can you can bring across or hand over handing over to the audience? That's a brilliant thought and question, and uh, it's an important one. Um, you know, we try to think of things from three different lenses. One, what are your individual contributions? Uh, two, what are the ways that you influenced, impacted others within your organization? And then third, how did you build on the work of or the best practices of others? You know, basically taking um, best practices and assimilating them into what you do. And I have a, a close friend of mine that, you know, we were spending some time recently talking and um, she said it very well. It was never embark on activities within your role that are not trackable. Uh, so find ways that you can make the output tangible. So if you create some type of new process, new play, something along those lines, what is the end goal? What is the outcome that you're trying to drive toward? Uh, what are the inputs? Um, and then what are those desired outputs and how can you make those tangible? Yeah, you know, I talk to people all the time that are sellers and they, they give me that feedback of, you know, I have a really tough time, um, you know, articulating the value that I bring. You know, I do a lot of activity, but really being able to show uh, some of the outcome or um, I have a hard time bragging about what I'm doing. And it's not about bragging. It's about being able to show these are the activities that I did and I, I tracked them. I mean, you can do them on a spreadsheet. Uh, you can solicit your team or other people that you've worked with for feedback or guidance on, on what happened as a result of some of your efforts. Um, but anything that you do, create a mechanism and make sure that you're tracking this because the more tangible the outcome, the better and easier you're going to be able to articulate that whenever you're speaking to anyone else, your manager, other people on your team or other people in your organization. Wow. Thank you so much for the interview, Carson. We, we managed a lot today. We started out with your path of selling, stepping into Microsoft, the individual roles you took, and then finally became people manager, tapped into the differences of the, the seller camps and, and techie camps within the tech industry and how valuable being a hybrid is at these days and now tapping into the opportunities to actually visit the other camps once in a while and how much effect this has on, on you as an individual. We jump to relationship management, what selling really is for you and how sales helps me as a people manager to, to drive success internally, externally for my team and as an individual. And we close out with what people manager really is um, moving from a hero role into a hero maker role. And then your final thought on how to actually articulate achievements, XSX, moving away from the actions like I visited 10 customers into tangible outcomes and the way to actually score that goal of closing or the successful failure in that sense, taking not the perfect decisions and then moving moving along and learning from them. Well said, you, you, you summarized it well. It was an absolute pleasure, Marvin. I, I always appreciate our conversations and uh, hopefully your audience today uh, picked up some 
some uh, some tips and tricks. I'd love to connect with uh, with anyone in the audience. Um, you know, I'm always learning, I'm always on a quest for more knowledge, and and a very uh, very much a student of selling and leadership. So I uh, really appreciate the chance to be on with you today. Thank you so much, Carson. It was a pleasure to have you. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the New Tech Lead Podcast. This interview was presented to you by Marvin and the New Tech Lead production team. Special thanks to our guest and interview partner. Follow us for more podcasts, check us out on LinkedIn, or visit our website, newtechlead.com. Happy learning and leading. Cheers.